Welcome to The Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. All right. Hello to everyone in podcast land. Thanks for joining us as usual. Sean, how are you feeling today? Feeling good and excited to have a friend on this week. Um, we have our special guest, um, Ariana Smith from the Ariana, the AC Smith Law Firm. She's here to tell us all about her entrepreneurial ventures, how she started her own firm, and some of the ups and downs along the way. So, really excited to have a fellow TU alum on the program again. You know, I try to get them in whenever I can. So. For sure, for sure. Well, welcome, Ari. Nice to have you on the show. You. Thank you for inviting me to be on the show. For sure, for sure. So I know Sean did the uh, intro. I just, you know, we like to make sure that we're not misspeaking or, you know, butchering titles and things like that. So how would you introduce yourself? Was Sean on point? Was he accurate? Any adjustments that need to be made? He was on point. My name is Ariana C. Smith, and I am the owner and managing attorney of the A.C. Smith Law Firm. All right. So I think this is... Uh, yeah, I think this is our first legal guest on the show, right? Yeah, we've had, you know, other entrepreneurs, accountants, but yeah, you're our first legal person, legal professional. So um, I just want to kind of start off for you to tell us just a, just a top level view of what you do, what a managing attorney does, you know, what does that entail? I am a sole member LLC, so I do everything. I do the legal work, I do the marketing, I do the outreach essentially i'm the lawyer i'm the paralegal i'm the secretary i am everything i wear many hats but my law firm i serve entrepreneurs and small businesses in the areas of trademark copyright llc formation business entity formation and contract so essentially i focus on brand ownership and helping businesses secure their intellectual property i see sounds like something a lot of our audience members need <laughs> they might need to I'm sure. hitting you up for sure. Uh, so could you, you know, could you explain how you got to this path, you know, as opposed to maybe, uh, I guess, uh, after law school instead of, you know, a more traditional lawyer, lawyer path or career? I'm not, I'm not too familiar with the path of a lawyer, you know, I'm just usually used to, you go to law school, then you go to a big law firm and then eventually set up your practice. But how do how did you, how did you get on your path? Well, it, it's been a journey, a bit of a journey. Okay. Um, I graduated from the Howard University School of Law uh-huh. in 2012, and when I graduated, I didn't have a job. Mm. So I ended up moving back home with my parents. I, you know, searched for a job, and I eventually landed at a small law firm in Long Island, mm-hmm. where I was doing criminal defense. Mm. I was there for about a year, and then I left that law firm and opened up my own law firm, Mm -hmm. and I did that for about three years. From my own law firm, I went to the office of the Bronx District Attorney, where I was a prosecutor. I was there for also three years, and then I went to another law firm, which I'll go into in a bit bit more detail later. Mm -hmm. Um, I was there for six months. Hmm. And after that experience is when I opened up my law firm, my current law firm. 
I have a few questions, but I don't I don't want to monopolize this right now. Yeah, let's 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 be uh let's democratize Ariana <laughs> right here. Um, so I'm just kinda curious, um you alluded to it a little bit, Danny, like the path of a lawyer. What got you directly into like the you know, the copywriting, the trademark, this branch of law? Um yeah, what what got you down that path in particular? Prior to opening up my current law firm, I was mostly a criminal lawyer. I did mostly criminal defense when I had my own law firm before, and then I was a prosecutor. So I mostly did criminal law. And as you can imagine, criminal law, it's a bit heavy. Mm -hmm. It's a bit heavy. And after I left that, um, the second law firm that I worked at, it wasn't a criminal law firm. I really had to sit with myself and decide what kind of attorney I wanted to be, who did I want to provide services to, and what I wanted my life to look like. And I landed on small businesses and working with entrepreneurs. Tapping into being a prior business owner myself and all of the things that I did not know at the time, even being an attorney, all of the things that I did not know at the time, I figured I would be able to provide services for entrepreneurs and small businesses in a way that I didn't have then. Now, you know, Danny, just for a little context, the first time I met Ariana, we were both working at like the student center at Temple. Mm -hmm. And I think I was wearing a bandana on my head and she immediately was like, why are you wearing a scarf on your head? Like, do you like a, like a grandma? So I say all that to say Ariana doesn't pull her punches. She's very um, forthcoming and she's very, uh, very honest. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious if that was kind of what made you go down the path of entrepreneurship because you said you were at a law firm for six months, clearly it didn't work out. That wasn't the environment for you, the culture for you. So I'm just curious, what um, what pushed you out of that job and into your you know second entrepreneurial uh, venture? I'm actually going to rewind a bit more. In in law school, I took a class. I believe it was called entrepreneurship law and policy or something like that. But there was a focus, an emphasis on graduating and starting your own practice. So I always wanted to have my own practice. Um, which is also why I started my own practice the first time. I was having trouble getting a position in the field that I wanted to be in. So I figured I, I'm licensed to practice law. I might as well do it myself. I want my own practice anyway. I'm not going to wait for someone to give me an opportunity when I can create that opportunity myself. So it was the same, same mindset when I left the law firm that I was at last year. I didn't like the law firm. It wasn't a good fit. I didn't like anything about it other than the pay. I was miserable. So I had to decide, am I going to stay here at this law firm and be miserable because we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're safe? Or am I going to step out on faith and bet on myself and launch my own practice? I just, I always felt this pull to have my own, my own law firm. So I, I realize that I need to listen to that and respect that. I'm curious. Um, you're going. You're starting your own law firm. What kind of what kind of capital? What kind of initial investment does that take? Because you know, in my from my perspective, I'm looking at a law firm. Like, okay, there's not necessarily any. Um, there's not so much overhead in terms of equipment or things like that that you need. It may you may need office space, but I'm thinking that the overhead is kind of low um, for initial. But I may be wrong, so I'm curious. What kind of initial investment are you? Were you looking at when you started your business? No, you're actually not wrong. Um, when I set my practice up this time, I was very intentional about setting it up to be a virtual practice. So I actually do not have a physical office space. Um, I work from home, 
Um, I, I do, I, I maintain my website, you know, my social media pages. Um, I advertise and, you know, a bit of marketing. But for the most part, my overhead is really low because I, I, I wanted it to be that way. Okay. So, you, if I'm not mistaken, you mentioned this is this is your second practice, correct? Correct. Yes, this is my second practice. Right, I see. So, so could you kind of talk through the differences, or you know, what led you to after the first practice to say, okay, I'm going to close this down for a while, you know, get back into, I guess, you know, working with firms, but, and then saying, you know what, I'm going to actually revisit and come back and do that. When I had I had my own practice from. 2014 and 2017 mm -hmm. and I ended up closing it because I knew I can go to the district attorney's office mm -hmm. and get a lot of experience within a short period of time. Got it. I knew that I would constantly be in court. I would constantly be in a grand jury. I would be doing trials. I knew that I would be able to really solidify my position as a litigator. So that's why I closed my practice to go to the Bronx DA's office. And working in the DA's office was that did you, I know you said you knew you would get that experience, but did you go into that intentionally, like this experience is going to help me relaunch my firm, or was that just incidental? At that time, I, I didn't intend on reopening my own law firm. I actually didn't intend on leaving criminal law at all. I intended on using that opportunity to really get a lot of experience as a litigator and as a trial attorney, and then um, branching out to another position in criminal law. You do it all, right? Uh, your social media, you manage your website, as well as being the the, the lawyer, the paralegal, and, and all those other roles. How, how do you manage that? I take it one day at a time. <laughs> I try to um, do things immediately uh -huh. so that things don't start to languish or, you know, so I don't forget. Right. Um, I've learned to automate things, so I have a bunch of forms and templates and things already laid out. Mm -hmm. You know, generally, I'm offering similar services to the different clients that are coming to me. So, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the language I will already have drafted. Um, I, in terms of my social media, I will create a, a bunch of different posts at one time so mm -hmm. that if I'm maybe one day I don't have the time to come up with some content, I already have something already prepared. Mm -hmm. um, so, I just try to really be intentional about allocating my time. Right. about, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing for the day. And I love a to-do list. I love a to-do list. So I, I definitely keep my to-do list and um, I update it daily. Okay. So I'm curious about how you secure clients and how you, you know, your funnel, right? Because you've mentioned social media. Is that like a big source of your customers? Yes. Yes, I launched my practice in, at the end of May of 2021, so I'm just under three months out, and I would say that all of my clients thus far have come from social media, either viewing my posts directly or somebody that I know reposting me, or um, it, somehow they came from social media. Either Maybe I might have responded to something on Facebook, and then they booked the consultation with me through that. As of right now, everything has, has come from social media. And I guess for a lawyer, like, is it hard to find qualified customers? Like, will you get somebody who has a bunch of questions but no money to pay you? Like, uh, I'm just curious. Sure. Now you're getting spicy. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, like, what's the, yeah, what's your, you know, your basis for accepting a client? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I charge for my consultation. 
So that kind of weeds itself out in a way, you know? Right. My consultation fees right now are $100. It does get credited to the legal service fee, but to, to have an initial consultation with me, it is $100. So that's kind of how I'm able to gauge how serious someone is mm-hmm. about their business. Because if you if you are serious about creating your business entity, or if you are serious about, you know, trademarking your name and your logo, you'd be willing to pay this hundred dollars, especially since you know it gets credited to your legal service fee. So it's not an additional one hundred; it's towards your legal service fee. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'm able to gauge who is just shopping around, or who is really serious about engaging my services because people that are just shopping around generally do not want to pay for the consultation fee right right yeah that was that was i had a a, a question in a similar vein especially now like you know i i i guess what we would say you know you are you are an expert right so we anybody come to you would be coming for your expertise right um and your knowledge and how do you navigate that now especially with Everybody's swearing at their experts with a Google search, right? <laughs> and saying, well, uh, you know, uh, well, I heard this or I heard that and trying to, you know, get get all this information for free. But you already have you have qualifiers out the gate. Right. So right. if you're not going to pay the hundred dollar fee, then there's no even need to go back and forth around that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you are if you're willing to pay that consultation fee, mm-hmm. you're. I find that they're also willing to allow me to explain the process. They're willing to listen, ask questions, and we can really have a dynamic consultation that they're able to learn something from, even if they don't end up retaining my services. Because that's really my goal here is to is to help people, help entrepreneurs and small businesses mm-hmm. build their businesses and their brand on a solid legal foundation. So even if you end up not retaining me, my goal is to still educate you on the trademarking process or the copyright process during that consultation so that if you do decide to do it yourself, you have some tools and you know exactly what you should be looking for. What made you shift focus and say, I'm going to focus on business law for your own practice as opposed to continuing criminal law? Um, yeah, it was, it was all criminal law for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, criminal law is very heavy. Mm-hmm. It, it's very heavy. Um, there's nothing happy about criminal law, no matter what side you're on, whether, mm-hmm. it's, whether it's the defense side or prosecutor side. It's nothing happy. It's very heavy. Um, this area of law, is it's about wins. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm dealing with people that are, are starting a new venture in their life. It's, it's exciting. They have dreams. They have visions. They have goals. It's And that's something that I can relate to because I have felt this pull to run my own law firm since I was in law school. Mm -hmm. So I can I can relate firsthand with someone that has that pull to start a business and they want to see their their goods, their services out in the world. So if I can play a role in helping them execute that goal, that that is what I would want to do. So it's just a shift from, you know, heavy criminal law to to winning. Right. You know, we're happy over here. We're happy over here in business law. Okay, I'm digging it. I can dig it. <laughs> yeah, getting some positivity into your into your work day. Yeah, I get that. Right, and I also wasn't able to create a virtual practice in criminal law. Mm. Criminal law has a lot of um, in-person court appearances, and um, I, I don't believe I would have been able to set up a virtual practice in the same way. 
So, I mean, I'm gonna have to call you out a little bit. I'm curious how you Go ended ahead. up in the Bronx. You know, Aries, and the reason I like her so much because she's also from Queens, besides the fact that she went to Temple. So, you know, when I found out she was in the Bronx, I was a little like, what's going on here? She a traitor. But uh, <laughs> sooner, soon after that, I said that, I ended up in the Bronx myself because my wife is from here. So I can't really? talk can't talk about that no more. But I'm curious, what? how did you end up working in the Bronx? Uh, was that just the best opportunity for you at the time? It was the best opportunity for me at the time. And um, the office was hiring a lot. And um, yeah, it was just the best opportunity for me at that time. And I mean, will it? Will it mean anything if I tell you I'm back in Queens? Yes, that means a lot. Yes, thank you. See? <laughs> okay. All right, we got to... Yes, I'm back right. in Queens. You, you redeemed yourself on this episode. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. Thank we you. Got, <laughs> we got we to gotta stop all this borough beef. We saw what just happened at the Versus, right? So we got to... <laughs> <laughs> but there were no Queens yeah, MCs no involved queen. in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. So uh, I guess, um, you know, as you're running your practice and it's virtual and, and you know, things of it's in this type of environment how do you i guess um you know is there a value proposition that you use to differentiate yourself from like maybe folks who say well i would go to legal zoom or rocket lawyer or these other online you know legal houses right um how do you set yourself as a differentiator to those folks if you do at all well as sean said i I hold no punches. I'm a mm-hmm. straight shooter, and I'm, I'm that exact way in my business and with my clients. Mm-hmm. I'm very transparent. I like for my clients to know that if you have any questions, please ask me. Um, I make myself available through email. They have my phone number. Um, they can go on my website and set up client meetings at any time. Mm-hmm. I want my clients to be a part of the process. I don't want them to feel like, they just paid me, and they have no idea what's going on. They right. gave me this money. They haven't heard from me in three, four, five, six, seven weeks. They have no idea what's going on. I want them to feel included in the process because if it's a trademark application that I'm filing, that's their trademark. It's not mine. Mm-hmm. That's their name. That's their logo. It's not mine. So I pride myself in being very transparent with my clients and being available to them in a way that I do not believe you have when you when you work with those other services. Right. So, so essentially virtual, but personal uh, yes. experience on your side. Okay. Yes. Okay, for sure. So, you know, if what have been some of the challenges so far in opening up and, you know, running the business this time around as opposed to the last time? Or maybe some of the same problems persisted this time around. But, you know, what challenges have you come across that you can share with the audience? Well, since I had my own practice before, I... There's a lot of lessons that mm-hmm. I took away mm-hmm. from having mm-hmm. my own practice before. The first time around, I literally was a lawyer. I said, okay, I have my license. I just want to represent my clients. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's essentially all I did. I didn't focus on the business side of it at all. I set up a little a website. Like, it was like a free website that I just threw up. I didn't do anything with it. I didn't update it. I didn't have any social media pages. I I really didn't do anything on the business side of it, mm-hmm. which I now realize was maybe wasn't the best mm-hmm. approach. Right. Um, I also didn't have a business entity. I was a sole proprietorship at the time, which also, you know, probably was not the best move. Um, and I also, I had my, I had my hand in many different areas of law. 
I was doing criminal law. I was doing uh, guardianship. I was on the court evaluator list. I was doing immigration. I was working part-time at this immigration office. I was doing personal injury cases. I was doing a lot, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't really allowing me to focus on maybe one or two things to really start to build that up. So this time around, I focused on these are the areas of law that I'm going to be practicing. These four, and that's it. This is going to be my area. So I'm really able to build up my my online presence in those areas of law. I'm really able to establish myself as an expert in these areas since I don't have my hands in so many different things. What's the phrase? I was a a jack of all trades and a master of none Mm -hmm. back then. This time around, I wanted to be more intentional about the areas of law that I'm practicing, the people that I'm servicing, the demographic, and keep myself within that that box, at least for now. You know, once I grow, maybe I'll step out of that box and start adding some things in. But for now, I want to stay within the lane that I that I created. Got it. And I'm glad you brought that up, growth, because I was that's kind of what I want to ask you about. What does that look like for you in your business? Is it bringing on a paralegal in the future to handle some of that duties, a second lawyer, maybe to like alleviate some of the workload? Or are you like focused on maintaining the single member LLC kind of um, kind of status of it and just being a sole uh, owner and lawyer involved with your company? Right now, I will just be the, the sole member. But I can absolutely see in the very foreseeable future, I will at least have to bring on a paralegal, you know, someone to help me with doing the, the, the contract for legal services, someone to respond to emails, someone to um, help me with research, someone to help me draft the memos. You know, it's kind of back-end things like that. Right. I also would want to bring on a social media manager because, whew, Dealing with social media, that's a whole other job in and of itself, you know, because you want to be engaging with the people that are commenting and mm-hmm. you want to make sure that your content resonates and that you're being consistent with your content. So that's also something I would, I would look into as a social media manager. And do you come up with all the creative yourself? Because um, just for context for our audience and for you, Danny, like Ariana has a great like social media um, profile. Like she does Instagram polls with like questions of, you know, is this a trademark or is this a copyright? So it's very engaging. So I'm just curious if that's all your brainchild. Like you come up with all that creative yourself or if you've kind of um, been inspired or been, uh, you know, given tips from someone else. Um, It's all me. It's all me. But I will say that I do look at other attorneys' pages just to kind of see, like, you know, what's out there and to kind of get ideas. And maybe I can do a play off of that. Maybe I can, you know, make this my own. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's all me just trying to be engaging and, you know, mm-hmm. make, make trademarks and copyrights fun. I mean, you do a pretty good job. I know. I, I mean, I usually get all her poll questions wrong, but it's still fun to play. So... <laughs> So basically, Sean, don't you basically don't try to try this at home. If yeah, you, like yeah. you can't. Yeah. If you <laughs> yeah. think you know what you're doing, she will check you pretty quickly in an Instagram story. So okay, there we go. <laughs> so so uh, Ari, Ari, how do how do you uh, you know you mentioned about growing the business, right? And I know right now it's it's all you. And since we we talk about growing and scaling a lot on a lot of our episodes, right? And what's the right time, and how do you go about it, and you know what are some of the 
factors that will go in. You mentioned you you know you need some a paralegal eventually and a, and a social media manager. Like, how do you? At what point do you determine that this is it? Is it more just crunching the numbers and and seeing you know when it's time, or is it based off the workload, or it's a combination of both? How do you how do you go about saying this is the next step to take to grow your business? I believe it will be based on the workload. Hmm. I don't ever want the quality of work that I'm putting out to to suffer. Mm-hmm. So if it gets to a point where I feel that I can't handle the workload on my own, then it definitely is time for me to to bring on some help, whether that be in the form of a paralegal or another attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't ever want the quality of work that I'm putting out to suffer. Okay. Or my availability to my clients. You know, I still I still want to be able to to them if they have questions for me or because you know how it is when you're talking to someone then as soon as you hang up the phone you think of other questions you know mm-hmm. I always want to be available for my clients whether they think of something two days after our consultation I still want them to be able to reach out to me and I want to have the time to be able to you know to sit on the phone with them for like 15 30 minutes and and answer whatever questions or alleviate whatever fears that they have how would you say you know you you definitely have your experience in the, in the law and the legal uh field right and as i said before i'm only i only know what i know through friends and their stories right how has these the landscape of law changed over the years because i've always heard the stories you know and you know the the debt or going through the process passing the bar and things like that but having these experiences where they're not getting those uh, opportunities at these law firms right uh but has the has the landscape changed from when you first started and, and in what ways has it to where you're at now? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't quite know. Okay. Um, I will say that my path, I, I know, is, is very non-traditional. You know, most people don't start law firms a year after graduating law school. So my path is definitely um, non-traditional. But I will say that just viewing my colleagues and, and, you know, my former classmates, I, I will say that I do see more attorneys taking control of their careers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really deciding what areas of law they want to be in and also setting up boundaries mm-hmm. and, you know, creating that work-life balance and really trying to create a space where they can be happy in their, in their career. So we had an episode a couple of weeks ago about, you know, just taking L's and like losses in business I'm curious from your perspective, since you've started a business and then relaunched it, what's been like, is there a single moment that you considered your biggest loss or your biggest misstep or, you know, regret in, you know, in the history of the business overall, both iterations of it? I don't want to call that first law firm an L completely (laughs) because I learned a lot. I learned a lot and I was able to use those lessons this time around. And I'm also hesitant to say that closing it was an L because I did get a lot of experience at the Bronx District Attorney's Office. But I I, I kind of feel like closing my practice in the first place, that alone was an L, was a big L. Okay, it's an L you learned from, which is fine, right? (laughs) I I feel like the lawyer in you was reluctant to say it was an L. Because the lawyers just want to win. No. You know we don't. You know lawyers don't speak in definite. We don't speak in definite. You don't want to be held to that in the future. I got you. I didn't take Likely. that. Likely. Okay. We don't. We don't speak in definite. So there. So but we'll. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was there, or you know, 
before getting into this industry, like how knowledgeable were you about law and, and the legal field prior to pursuing this path? And was there anything that you wish you would have known before you embarked on this journey? Oh, absolutely. My major in college was actually journalism. I had no intent on going to law school when I was at Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and honestly, I can't even tell you where the decision to go to law school came from. Um, I, I'm thinking back and I have no idea. Um, but I, I do think it fits me as a person in my personality. Yeah, I cannot remember why I chose to go to law school. Okay, well, you're here now. Uh, uh, yeah, right. I'm there now. But I do have a lot of if I knew then what I know now. If okay. I can go back and tell what, 22, 23 year old Ariana some things, I would tell her to be a bit more intentional. You know, I just kind of went through law school. I took my classes. You know, I read my cases, did my exams, just kind of went through it. Mm-hmm. I would tell her to be a bit more intentional, to really look into and explore these different areas of law and figure out what you want to do. Don't be scared to dabble in different things. You want to try this area of law, go try it. You want to try this, go try it. Mm -hmm. Because that's really how you can decide what's going to be a good fit for you. You know, I kind of feel that I just kind of, I fell into criminal law almost. And I, I definitely would advise her, don't just fall into your career. Be intentional about it. That way you can really create a career and a life that you enjoy instead of just like, okay, well, I'm here. So, oh, well, yeah. you can really create a life that, that you that you enjoy. You know, you like going to work. And that's how I feel now. I enjoy talking to my clients. I love what I do now. Um, so if I can go back in time and tell 22-year-old Ariana, just be, be a bit more intentional. Also, reach out. Um, network, meet some older attorneys that can kind of guide you along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really do any of that back then. The OGs, okay. Right, <laughs> I didn't have any OGs. I didn't have any. It was just, I was just out there. Was out I here. was just in law school. You was out here, okay. Blazing your own path. Understood. Understood. Um, so you, right now, you work with a lot of small. Uh, I'm not even say small business, but you work with a lot of businesses, right? And setting up their mm-hmm. ideas and, and legal entities and stuff. Because you have, uh, you know, that intimacy with these businesses, what what are some of the uh, common scenarios or tropes that you see a lot of businesses make or not realizing or understanding when they come to you trying to set up their businesses? The most common mistake I see is that people come up with their name, they start their business, and they just start running their business. Mm. A lot of times, trademarking your name or your logo, it's it's not even in the in the conversation. So mm. off, I've, I've had several consultations and clients where now they've been running their business for five years, mm-hmm. you know, six years, two years, however long, and you know, you know what that takes. You've been running a business for five years. That's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. And now you're coming to me because you want to trademark your name. I do the trademark search, and I find that your name is unavailable. Mm-hmm. So it now we're now we're in a place where I have to explain to them that your name may not be regis- registrable. It's likely not registrable, registrable, and this is why. 
Um, so then, then the client has to decide, are they going to rebrand? You know, what's going to be the next step? Right. So that's why I said my goal ultimately is, is to educate, even through my social media page, is to educate the importance of, of, of trademarking your, your business and creating a business um, entity to right. protect your personal assets mm-hmm. from the liabilities of the business. So essentially, they, it's it's they don't have they didn't focus I guess on the intellectual properties prior, right? It's kind of like they went into doing the business and then decided. Exactly, they went into business and now they're deciding they want to go back and mm-hmm. and trademark the name. That has been the most common thing that I've seen, and I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news to tell them, you know, well now this is unavailable. So, you know what. What do you want to do? Sometimes I'll brainstorm with them and try to come up with a different name, mm-hmm. you know, one that may be available. But rebranding can be costly, you know. Right. When someone has come to know you and your products or your services by this particular name, now you have to mount this effort to rebrand yourself and put another name out there to associate yourself with your products and your goods. Right. So it's like you either pay. I, I think I see it from a few other folks perspective. I, I get both sides like you're going to pay now. You're going to pay later. Right. But I think for a lot of people. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's like, well, do I pay now to get to securities of uh, my intellectual properties when the business hasn't even made money yet? Right. Or, you know, those mm-hmm. upfront uh, investment fees or try to do it later mm-hmm. after the fact. But now I have these costs uh, associated with it. Or it might mm-hmm. not even be available. So yeah, totally, I can see that. Totally. totally okay, I, see I definitely see it because yeah. especially when you're first starting out, a lot of people don't just have thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to, you know, to to put towards trademarking their name. Like you said, you know, right. I haven't even started bringing in money yet. I haven't <laughs> sold anything yet, right. and now I'm supposed to spend thousands of dollars on this. Mm-hmm. So I definitely understand it, and that's why I really do feel bad a lot of times <laughs> when. When something that they want to trademark is is not available, right, right. right. But also trademark. I mean, everybody that doesn't need to trademark their mm-hmm. business. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, generally, what I say is, if you are using a name or a symbol or a logo that you do not want someone else to be able to prevent you from using, then you need to consider trademarking. Totally. But if you don't, if you don't care about your name, you don't care about your logo. You'll change it tomorrow. It'll be different next month. Then you know maybe that may not be the path for you. But if you are married to your name, you're married to your logo, you're married to your symbol, then that definitely should be something to consider. Well, she has spoken. <laughs> she has spoken. All right. Uh, I think that's all on my end. Sean, you have any? Uh... No, I mean I think Ariane, you gave us a great in-depth look at your path and how you got to where you are and you know some of the some of the hurdles you had along the way um so i just want to you know kick it back to you if there's anything you want to tell the audience about your business and your services uh let us know you can find me at my website www.acsmithlaw.com you can also find me on instagram at acsmithlaw.com and i guess my last point would be to pursue your dreams Go after your goals. If you feel this pull to start a business, then respect it and go with it because that pull is not going to go away. All right. So that's a wrap on this week's episode with Ariana Smith, founder of the AC Smith Law Firm. We hope you enjoyed her story and lessons learned along the way in starting her practice the first and second time around. Be sure to hit her up when you're ready to get your legal affairs in order for your business. 
As always, if you have a question you would like us to answer on the show, shoot us a message on any of our social media channels or shoot us an email at questions at businessgrindshow.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share on Spotify and iTunes. See you again soon. In the meantime, keep grinding. The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors. I'm out here on the grind. I'm out here on the grind.